Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast, everybody. I just wanted to pop in here to the studio and do a quick down and dirty on historical theology. I just recently published an article, like uh, when I say recently, I mean like five minutes ago, on the particular Baptists and covenant children or the concept of covenant children. Um, and, you know, we, we're uncomfortable with that language. And so the uh, usually modern Baptists do not use that language. And it's sometimes it's even, you even get the impression that modern Baptists kind of anathematize their children um, because there is no overt fruit of their conversion. And because of that, you know, those are the heathen that sort of live under your roof. Um, and, um, and now, which is not untrue. Uh, we need to understand that there is a, uh, uh, a necessity for conversion and, and every parent, um, should desire that. And, and we Baptists, uh, believe that very strongly. And we also don't believe that we should presume merely on the relation between parent and child, um, that we should presume on uh, upon that as some kind of uh, foundational basis to make our children think that by virtue of that, they're saved. Um, and also, we don't think that uh, it's a uh, it's a basis for um, uh, formal church membership, uh, baptism, so on and so forth. So there are some obvious differences which have caused uh, our Pado Baptist friends to to say, well, you 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 outrightly reject this notion of covenant children. And, and that's true in modern circles. The, the, the notion of covenant children is, is, is usually rejected or it's not even thought about. Um, even though we Baptists typically treat our children as though uh, they are um, in the covenant in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we expect them to do Christian things, right? We expect them to behave in Christian ways. We treat them like disciples. And um, so what I want to do here is I want to jump back to our 17th century kind of uh, theological uh, progenitors, uh, as it were, um, who framed the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689, Specifically, their appendix on baptism, which should be found at the back of any well-put-together uh, version of the 1677-1689 Second London Confession. And what we find is that, conceptually, uh, the particular Baptists had no problem uh, admitting of some kind of covenant holiness and even membership in the covenant uh, for the infants and the children of believers, even prior to baptism, okay? Uh, now, I'll try to pull that out a little bit more as we go on here, um, but let me read their words, all right? Their words in the appendix, uh, it's the first appendix. Um, some of the copies of the confession have two appendices. Uh, the first appendix, uh, it's usually uh, the first one, and it says this, and this is point two. They make several points, um, and this is this is point number two. They say, as for those our as for as for those our Christian brethren who do ground their arguments for infant baptism upon a presumed federal holiness, 
or church membership, we conceive they are deficient in this, that albeit this covenant holiness and membership should be as is supposed in reference unto the infants of believers, yet no command for infant baptism does immediately and directly result from such a quality or relation. Now, let's pull out a little bit. Uh, let's unpack that. All right. So, so they say that there's a deficiency in paedo-baptist theology. All right. Now, what's, let's locate the deficiency. And I do this in the article. I right, try. Um, the deficiency is not in the admission of federal holiness or even some sense of church membership for infants of believing parents. That it, those things in and of themselves, they say, ought to be supposed in reference unto the infants of believers. Those things ought to be, they're, they're givens, so to speak. The problem that they see is, is moving from that supposition to, well, then we ought to baptize our infants. All right, then we ought to baptize our infants. Um, they reject that. All right. They reject that we ought to presume upon federal holiness, which is a biblical concept. You look at 1 Corinthians 7, for example. We shouldn't presume upon federal holiness. We shouldn't presume upon their involvement in Christ's church, which we might be able to say, we, we usually, in modern terminology, we usually say they're just, they're attendees, right? Uh, they're not members. Um, but really, we could say they're, they're members in some sense because they participate in Christ's church very regularly. Um, but they're not in a formal sense church members. Uh, I mean, they haven't made a credible profession of faith. They haven't, uh, they haven't been baptized. All right, so they say those things are givens. First uh, Corinthians seven says that children of believers are holy. Um, that's only for the new covenant. Uh, if the parents obviously weren't in the new covenant or weren't in the covenant of grace, then these children would not be considered holy. Okay, those that's the whole idea, and. Um, and then these children are also involved in Christ's church in some, some way, shape, or form. We grant that, all right? Now, a lot of Baptists today won't grant that. They, they will say, there is no sense in which my child is, um, is in the covenant. Uh, there's no sense in which my child is in really, truly involved in Christ's church. Um, or at least we have no reason to believe they are. And that's fair. Uh, in fact, that's true. Uh, we don't have any fruits other than the fact that uh, these children have been born to believing parents, uh, which is not a fruit of the Spirit in and of itself. We have no fruits that lead us to believe. We have no evidences that lead us to believe that they are truly converted. However, Scripture ascribes some kind of holiness, of covenant holiness, to our children. And we obviously raise them. We disciple them right? Um, uh, in some sense, like Christians. And, and always, always uh, bearing in mind that the, that the need for conversion exists. I think when we lose the need for conversion and repentance, um, that's when the presumption comes in, right? Well, I'm saved because I was born to a believing, a believing family. I, uh, I'm, I do things at church and um, uh, you know, I'm in the covenant in some sense, right? So we don't want to lose the, uh, the, the imperative of conversion and repentance and a true belief in the gospel. Um, but uh, taking into consideration texts like 1 Corinthians 7, 14, and not just kind of brushing it aside, 
that that the children of believers are holy, and we might say they are holy by virtue of uh, some relation to the covenant, right? There's some relation to the covenant there. And they're involved in, in Christ's church. They're being discipled by their parents and even by the pastor at the church in, in some regard. That we ought to that we ought to admit of these things, but we shouldn't move beyond that to to automatically thinking that they ought to be baptized. Right? There's nothing that necessitates infant baptism uh, flowing from those two realities. All right, and and one of the things they cap that point off uh, with is an appeal to the regulative principle of worship. They say all instituted worship receives its sanction from the precept and is to be thereby governed in all the necessary circumstances thereof. So while there is some sense in which these children of believers are holy, there's some sense in which they are involved in Christ's church, um, we ought not presume upon those things uh, and and go ahead and baptize them, right? Um, and, and I would just note that the Paedo-Baptists of the 17th century, in large part, at least the lion's share, and I, maybe even all of them, they were not arguing for Paedo-Communion. Right, they were not arguing for pedo communion, and and Baptists were basically just saying, well, um, you, you obviously you obviously recognize that there are some covenant benefits that your infants do not immediately have access to, even though they are born into your household, right? Even though they are baptized, there are still some covenant benefits that you withhold from them. Right, and the pedo the, the pedo communion peoples are, are are being consistent and saying that well now that they've been formally brought into the Church of Christ and 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 made members of of the new covenant or at least received the seal of the covenant, then they ought to be able to partake of the Lord's table and and to me that's just very consistent. And uh, Baptists were were doing virtually the same thing in principle that their pedo baptist brethren would, were doing in the 17th century. And they were saying, well, yeah, I mean, we admit some sort of covenant holiness. There's some sense in which that's true, 1 Corinthians 7. Um, but we don't think that that necessarily, lead, necessarily leads us to baptize them. And the pedo baptist was saying the same thing with regard to communion. We believe that they're related to the covenant, therefore we baptize them, but we don't think that they ought to go the step further and participate in the Lord's table. Um, so it, it's just the Baptists were being more consistent than the 17th century Paedo-Baptists. Uh, the 17th century Paedo-Baptists could not be consistent in their sacramentology. Um, if, if a child is to be baptized because they're covenant members, then they need to be, they need to have access to all covenant benefits, the Lord's table being one of them. So, um, Anyway, I uh, just wanted to drop in here and talk about that. Again, you can find that article, joshsummer.org. Uh, it's the most recent one I've posted, the particular Baptists and Covenant children. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day.